guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We talk all things Ohio State football and talk to and about other women in Buckeye athletics and beyond. I'm your host, Tia Williams, and I'm joined by my co-host, Meredith Hine. Thanks for tuning in today. We're especially excited to welcome the managing editor of Land Grant Holy Land, the one and only Matt Tamanini. Hi, Matt. Hey, how are you guys? Good. So, so Matt, before we get into why we invited you on the show today, could you give us a few thoughts on this pending Ohio State Clemson matchup? Is Clemson all they're cracked up to be? I sure hope not. <laughs> I, I have very vivid flashbacks to the last time Ohio State and Clemson played, and I'm really, really hoping that that doesn't happen again. Being here that I live south of the Mason-Dixon line, I see quite a bit of ACC and SEC football. Uh... So I think Clemson is probably and I hope this doesn't tick off any listeners. Like I think they're the best team in the country right now. (laughs) So I don't necessarily love the idea of Ohio state playing them in the semifinal. I was hoping that if they had to pick that or had to play them, it would be in the championship game because also that's what I predicted in our preseason predictions article, but that's not (laughs) why exactly. But yeah, I, I, the other thing is that they played a terrible schedule. So I don't know if what I've seen is just them beating up on lesser competition or if they are as well-rounded and athletic everywhere as they seem to be so um, it'll be really interesting to kind of break things down over the next few weeks but it's going to be a good game I think they're the two most complete teams in the country I would much rather have seen Ohio State face LSU or Oklahoma in the first round but if it's if you got to get it out of the way now we'll see what happens and hopefully it'll be an easier matchup in the championship game like it was in 2014-2015 when they beat a better Alabama in the semis and then beat Oregon for the championship. And that seems to have been Ryan Day's philosophy as well, is that you're going to have to face the eventual champion at some point, whether it's in the first round or the second round. So might as well get it out of the way early. Yeah, get it over with. And then you've got like two weeks because it's a weirdly long break between the semis and the finals this year. Um, I think it's, it's like more than two weeks. I, I think it's like like 16 days. So you are gonna have a long time to get yourselves rehabilitated after you play Clemson, which is like I said, probably the the best team, and especially for the offense, who's been beat up a little bit. They've got three weeks between now and the time they play, or from their last game, and when they play Clemson. And Clemson's got a, a pretty physical defense, especially on uh, in the secondary. So then, if they have another two weeks to get healthy, hopefully that mitigates the injuries and physical strain that they've had to take on this stretch at the end of the regular season, and then in the semifinals as well. I get that they have great stats, and they've blown out every single team they played, and. This is always the case for them every year, being in the ACC. So, you know, like you said, how do you know that they're that good? And who is their most impressive win, like Wake Forest or Texas A&M? And maybe they really are that good, but it sucks that we have to be the ones to find that out. But (laughs) now that we are... I would much rather... (laughs) Yeah, I wish it was like LSU, just them kind of feel them out a little bit, but... Be the sacrificial lamb. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's let us figure out how we're supposed to feel because it really doesn't matter on the field. It just has to do with how we feel as fans going into the game. I would much rather know what they actually are before Ohio State has to play them. It will make my anxiety level. I know, Tia, you are about (laughs) as nervous of a fan as you can get. So I'm sure it would help your blood pressure. Yeah, I just want a break, a nice blowout where I can watch peacefully. But now that we are approaching the end of the season, I wanted to ask both of you. What was your favorite moment of this Ohio State football season? And I'm talking very specific. So, for example, and I'm sorry I'm taking two here, but mine were Olave's catch that was like 
upside down beneath his legs underneath him I don't even know what that was but and then that moment when Fields came back from injury and threw a 30-yard touchdown pass against Michigan sorry I took two really great (laughs) moments but what were your guys's go ahead Meredith Um, I was going to say, well, every J.K. Dobbins run, but since you're making me pick one, I'm actually going to go with a different play altogether and say it was Chris Olave's touchdown reception against Penn State in the fourth quarter that finally gave us a little bit of breathing room after kind of what was an abysmal second half. And um, that game was particularly important for me because it was the one that I was able to watch with my family this year. And so it was like, a very stressed and anxiety-filled environment. And so, you know, to our previous point, that was what allowed our anxiety to collectively go down. So that was such a great moment. For me, and first off, I got to say, I am much older than both of you. So my ability to recall specific plays is nowhere near <laughs> as as good as it is for both of you, I, I assume, because my brain is much at my advanced age. But the thing that sticks out for me is, is as much about the It's actually not as much about the play as it is to the reaction to the play. It was during the Maryland game, I believe. And I think it was in the second half after the the starters had had kind of gone out. And backup linebacker Kavon Pope intercepted a ball. I think Maryland was actually like in the red zone, I think. And he intercepted. It was his first career interception. He runs. It was kind of close to the Ohio State sideline. He runs over to the sideline. All of his teammates are congratulating him and, you know, beating him on the head and all that stuff. Then you just see a coach sprinting down the (laughs) sideline. And at first you're like, when a coach runs like that, either he's trying to call a timeout or he's about to choose somebody out. But it's linebacker (laughs) coach Al Washington. He just runs up to him and just bear hugs him. And it's just just gives him this huge hug and like patting him on the back. And it's just like you can see that he's like talking to him and it's like a long embrace. So you know that there's more going on than just like, hey, good job. Um and, you know, as I said, I'm old. So the older I get that it, whether it's sports or entertainment or just life, it's those sentimental things that stick with me more than anything else. And so while, yes, the Justin Fields play where he was, you know, was out for seven plays, got a new brace on, comes back and, you know, scrambles and throws the touchdown is awesome. J.K. Dobbins juking people out of their shoes is great. Uh, to me, the things <laughs> that I remember are always the ones that make me tear up a little bit. And again, I'm old and I'm a sentimental crier, so it happens <laughs> fairly regularly, not as much with football as it does in like entertainment, but that is one that still uh, still sticks out in my mind from this season. I love everything about that. Yeah, okay, you win. <laughs> well, I mean, you know what was cool about it was is that like I happened to notice it on the screen and, and as I'm doing the tweeting during the football games, I was able to like capture it from the streaming. I was able to get a gif of it and I tweeted it out and Kevon Pope's mom tweeted it uh, like retweeted it because at first i mean it was kind of like the high sideline view so i couldn't really see who it was i assumed it was al washington but i didn't know for sure and i actually said i was like is this al washington and she retweeted it and said this is why i'm so happy that my son plays at ohio state for coach washington um yeah and like you know as someone who's coached and has played sports uh, you know those are the things that i think people don't realize that make a program is yes it's obviously about the x's and o's and the game plans and the motivation and the plans to you know to teach and to you know to to develop physically and weight training and conditioning all that stuff but really the thing that gets people to join in a program and then to buy into a program once they're actually on campus are those relationships. And I think that that's so important in today's age as we see coaching changes, which you two have talked about quite a bit on this show. In previous episodes, 
that really is the differentiating factor to me between what makes a coach who can teach and a coach who can lead and who can motivate. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm really excited about, not only with Ryan Day, but also Chris Holtman with the men's basketball team, but specifically with who Ryan Day chose to be on his first staff. Yeah. I think that the people that he's brought in have been exemplary in this field. Um, and you can watch it. And I'm, you know, I work from home. So I watch all of the press conferences that are live streamed and you can just see it, whether it's Al Washington or Jeff Halfley, especially, or anybody else who does these press conferences, they are just so excited about their team and their players. And that makes a huge difference. And that makes it so much easier to root for them as a fan as well. So that's the, that's the reason I love that kind of dorky, sentimental, like emotional stuff as much as I do the on-field stuff. I mean, Beating the crap out of teams is awesome, too. But when you can have a little bit of both, that's always nice. Not dorky at all. Yes, sentimental. But <laughs> I couldn't agree more. We're going to segue into the main topic of the show here in just a bit. So stay with us for a quick ad break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so Matt, a little bit about you, um, since this is the first time you're on our show. How did you become interested in sports, and did you always want to work in the sports writing or broadcast industry? Just getting in sports, like I am the son of two sports fans, um, and so I just I played sports growing up. Played specifically, you know, basketball and baseball, and my brother and sister both played sports. Um, so sports was just kind of always what we did. We were a sports family. And when I got to school at Ohio State, I did not go in having any intention of doing anything in sports. I what did I do? I started as a history major. Then about two years in, this is when the uh, the TV show The West Wing was was in its popularity. If that shows you how old I am, I decided, hey, I want to be a political speechwriter. So I changed my major to communications. Then very quickly, I realized I was not smart enough to be a political speechwriter, and I but I stuck with communications anyway. And that's how I kind of started getting into. The, the sports side of things, I was on the first staff when Buckeye TV first started at Ohio State. I was the assistant news director. Then I became the second sports director there. Um, I interned at 1460 for the Kirk Herbstreet and Ian Fitzsimmons show back in the day. And then it kind of went from there. I, I segued off after I graduated and worked for the Big Ten Conference for a year. My first year out of school, I worked for um, a professional softball team in Chicago uh, then I worked in college sports as a coach for a couple of years. And then I've just kind of always had a foot in the sports world, whatever I was doing. I don't really know what I want to be when I grow up. And I'm well <laughs> past the point where I'm grown up. But I still don't know what I want to be. So it's nice to have the opportunity to do a little bit of everything. And that's what my career has always been. Um, you know, my day job now is as I work in theater. So very much not sports, but <laughs> it gives me the opportunity to do a little bit of all of the different things that I love. Yeah. And then you can't get overworked or sick of it. Oh, no, you can still <laughs> you still get overworked and sick of it, but not completely to the point where you're burnout and want to just go hide in a hole somewhere. Yeah. Uh, you can put one thing up to the side a little bit. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where if you love sports and and it's funny because 
on the sports side of my life, most of the people on that side don't really understand the theater side of things. On the theater side of my life, most people don't understand the sports right. thing. There's <laughs> jokes on that side of my life and those friends that are like, they, they call it sports ball. And, you know, <laughs> and all of these weird things. But to me, it's obviously they're very different things, but they're very much the same as well. It's the stories. It's the um, it's the drama. It's the, the characters. There's so so much connection there. Like, it, I don't understand how you can anybody cannot like sports like yeah. it's competition. It's reality shows. It's um, it's the you know, it's it's American Idol. It's the voice. It's also, you know, drama and soap operas. I mean, look at this thing with the Patriots and the Bengals. The Patriots again are getting caught filming <laughs> sidelines. And it's just like, how is that not interesting? I mean, it's ridiculous. The characters are over the top out of this world. Ridiculous. Like Dabo Sweeney just making stuff up to motivate <laughs> yeah. his teams like he is the <laughs> villain. Like, how can you not enjoy this? So. I don't get it. So, I mean, but it's nice to me to have, you know, outlets on yeah. both sides of my interest levels. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And I, you know, there's something for everyone in sports. Even if you don't like watching the game, you have to be able to at least buy into the intrigue that's surrounding it. Absolutely. But one of the reasons we were really excited to bring you on the show today is because last week on the show, I shouted out a friend of mine who, after finding out that I was a sports writer, didn't have the initial, oh, but you're a girl reaction that Tia and I are very used to hearing and instead asked me my opinion of uh, what I thought would happen in the Ohio State-Michigan game, how Shea Patterson would do at quarterback, and, you know, a conversation ensued. Uh, and that got Tia and I talking about inviting men like him on the show who are a representation of guys who are our allies in the sports writing industry. And so, like I said, what better way than to start by inviting the person who initially thought of this show to begin with. So we wanted to ask you what motivated you to think of this show and what was your thought in having a podcast that was centered around women in sport? I could probably talk about this for a long time. So feel <laughs> free if I start to ramble to cut me off, as you've probably already seen, I need that. Um, <laughs> but there's probably two ways to look at this. The first is just on like the logistical level. Tia joined Land Grant Holy Land because she reached out to Alexis Chasen. Um, who used to be our co-managing editor. She left about a year and a half ago to be the deputy editor or deputy manager or whatever it's called over at our uh, Philadelphia Eagles site, Bleeding Green Nation. And so as we were kind of ramping up our podcast for this fall football season, I thought, well, Tia and Alexis have this connection. They both Buckeyes, both Eagles fans, maybe that would make for an interesting show. Then Alexis went off and had a baby and, you know, she was gone or whatever. And then Meredith, obviously you jumped in and what you two have done this fall has been great. I cannot sing your praises uh, enough for what you've done with this show. So that was just like the logistical thing. It, it was a nice connection between Tia and Alexis, who uh, Alexis and I had done a, a show last football season uh, every Friday, kind of recapping the week's news. Uh, we weren't going to do that again because we both decided it, we weren't very good at doing that show. But I thought maybe that that those two could work well together. But then on the big picture, you know, whether it's in theater where my day job is or in sports, like representation just matters. And like I said, I've grown up around female athletes and female sports fans and I've coached female sports. So to me, there's never been a break between men's sports and women's sports. And obviously, intellectually, I understand that there's more money spent and more attention paid to men's sports. But when you're talking about sports in general, there is no difference between 
men's sports and women's sports. Men play sports, women play sports, and they're both equally important. I think that if you think about football, a lot of times we get sucked in and it's easy to think about football from especially football because we we're we're an Ohio State site. So, of course, that's going to be the primary focus of a lot of what we do. But it's really easy to get pulled into this myopic, misogynistic point of view where it's Saturdays are for the boys, you know, or whatever. And just forget (laughs) that (laughs) it's true. You've heard that. That's a that's a thing. Oh, we know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. And I think it does a really disservice. It's reductive. It's disingenuous to ignore women's sports and women's sports fans because they're out there and they're important and they bring something different to the sports discussion that men don't have. I mean, just in in every conversation, every individual brings something different and to have those voices represented is important. And I I think, you know, I listen, I don't, like I said, I don't live in Ohio, so I can't just turn on sports talk radio. So I listen to a lot of Ohio State podcasts. You know, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's any that involve women. And so it was important to me to say, okay, we've got with you two and Alexis, and we've recently brought in Kelsey, who's been on your show a couple times. It was important to have female voices represented in what we do because there are female football fans out there, there are female sports fans out there, despite what other people might tell you. And they're pretty intelligent, too. And so what I love about what you two have done is not only do you talk about being a sports writer uh, as, as a woman, a female sports writer, you talk about being a female sports fan, but you also just talk about sports, whether that's women's sports or not. And I think it's so easy to pigeonhole female sports writers and say, well, you can either do the interviews or you can talk about women's sports, but you can't actually just talk about sports. You know, that's why you very rarely hear any women doing play by play. It's great that there are some, but I love the fact that you two just talk about sports and it's like, that's important. That's valid. It's 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 important for other people to hear that. So I think it's worked out great. It's worked out better than I could have imagined with what you two have accomplished so far this fall. And I'm really excited to see that roll forward and hopefully become something that not only are we the only ones doing, but hopefully there are other female voices brought into the beat and to the Ohio State podcast and all that stuff as well. Because if you're not doing that, I mean, shame on you. I mean, you really should be. And I think you're you're turning a blind eye to what could be some really interesting perspectives and a bigger audience as well, just from the business side of things. Thanks for sharing that, Matt. I think Tia and I pretty much just love talking about sports. So that's one of the reasons we love doing this podcast. And all of the women that we've had on this podcast have been amazing, especially because like you said, most women are and nothing against them, but they're the ones doing the interviews or the sideline reporting or whatever. But we've been talking to editors and writers and these women who otherwise probably don't do podcasts as often. And so I'm happy that you came up with this show because Meredith and I love to talk about sports. We love talking to these women. We like to bring some sports issues to light as well that often aren't talked about. So and that aren't just game recaps and stats. But anywho, it's time for our shout out portion of the show. But to mix it up a little, we're going to name our favorite sports writers. So I'll go first. Mine, and this is because she's also my favorite TV personality, but mine is Mina Kimes. Come on, Tia. Come on. Her feature stories are the perfect mixture of like serious and funny, which is hard to do. And so I read them. Otherwise, like I just... I don't read the really, really long stories. I, I skim them, but hers I read from start to finish. So I'm sorry. Who do you have? I was going to have Mina Kimes, but I mean... Wait, no. 
Yes, I was going to talk about her feature she did with Aaron Rodgers from ESPN the magazine. It was great. So I'll just let you have it. You went Oh first. my gosh, I thought you were like saying there were better ones. <laughs> no, I was mad that you took her from me. Um, no, but in addition to, to Mina, he doesn't do any much sports writing anymore, but I love Dan Levitard when he used to write for either ESPN or the Miami Herald. On the Ohio State beat, uh, uh, I love reading Doug Maurice from Cleveland.com. Oh, I love Bill, Bill Landis from The Athletic. So are all great. And I used to, back in the day, I haven't read his stuff because I'm not working in Sports Daily uh, as much anymore. But Bill Plaschke, even though people know him from like around the horn, like he's a phenomenal writer uh, out in Los Angeles. So those were going to be mine, but... You took my big one. <laughs> we can share her. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. Fair she is great. She can be recognized by, you know, more than one of us. But for me, it's a toss up. So I grew up watching Susie Colbert on SportsCenter. So she's not, you know, necessarily solely a writer. But I love how she's been able to command everything from the SportsCenter desk onto Monday Night Countdown and just do it so, so well and be able to, you know, wrangle these kind of outlandish personalities that she has with her on the desk uh, and just, you know, do such a great job week in and week out. So big fan of her. I would say that purely on the writing side, I am a big fan of Faux Polini at The Athletic. (laughs) I actually learned recently that one of my friends in Chicago went who went to Nebraska went to school with him and he's like living in Chicago. And so like, I sort of want to like find a way to meet him, but we'll see if it ever happens. (laughs) <laughs> I just like I just googled him and it's this man with like two cats. Is that him? You don't know who Fo- you don't know who Fo Polini is. Oh, I don't know if he, I do. He is the best. Fo Polini is a parody account of Bo Polini, former Nebraska coach, former Ohio State defensive back, who was the head coach at Nebraska, got fired because he kept winning only nine games, and the, the parody account is brilliant. And, and oh my gosh, I, it started on Twitter and then he got picked up by The Athletic because he's so funny and he wrote uh, the best graduation speech last year for The Athletic highly recommend you check it out it's actually very Matt you would love it it's very sentimental and you'll probably cry at the end I've got my tissues (laughs) my tissues are right here I have tissues on my desk can you hear that box that's my tissue box on my desk perfect oh my gosh all right well that is all we have for today Matt thank you so much for one joining us and two giving Meredith and I this platform to speak our mind. No, thank you for all that you do. I, I, you, I think you both know how much I love having a part of land grain and I love what you do. And I could not be more appreciative for all of the work that you do uh, for us and for promoting all of the stuff that you talk about and, and being good representatives of not only Buckeye fans, but of women in sports and only the best uh, can come from, from you guys doing this together. So thank you again for having me. Yeah. Thank you. And yes. as always, you can follow, well, first you can follow Matt on Twitter at BWWMatt. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Tia Williams, that's Tia with three A's, Meredith at Meredith Hine, and the site at LandGrant33. We'll be back next Thursday and every Thursday after that with new shows. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl, and as always, go Bucks.